Also, something we're grateful for is that today I get to introduce to you our brand new uh, JAR Kids uh, director, Ellie Abrahamson. So let's all uh, give her a hand, too. And uh, Ellie, it's been great to uh, get to know you, and uh, it's been a blessing. I know God's going to use you in some great ways uh, with JAR Kids. Um, but there are many people here that may not know you very well, so I wondered if you could give us a little bit of background uh, on yourself. So like Chris said, my name is Ellie Abrahamson, and um, I just wanted to give you a little bit of background about myself. Um, so growing up, but two months before I was born, uh, my fa- biological father passed away. And when I was six, my mom remarried, and we went from being a family of two to being a family of four. And that cute little thing that was just standing up here giving you guys announcements is my stepsister. And um, we've just been really blessed to... Um, have each other in our lives, and um, just been a really great family ever since then. Um, So I went to Burris Laboratory School, and I graduated there in 2010, and then I went to Ivy Tech and Taylor University, and I just graduated Taylor with a major in art education in January, Um, and I played volleyball throughout high school, Um, and played under the famous Steve Shondell, so that was a blessing. And I really like sports and art and kids, of course, and antiquing and just all kinds of things like that. Cool. Um, What was interesting was when uh, we knew the position was coming up, uh, I felt a prompting by God about six months before she graduated, and I felt like God was saying, you need to ask her to be the next Star Kids director. And I'm like, there's no way. You know, she's like getting her teaching degree. She's not going to do it. But I've been told no a lot in my life. You know what I mean? Like that is not a word that I'm not familiar with. So I went ahead and did that, and she accepted, and she worked as a coordinator for a while, and now this role. Um, But I'd like you to talk maybe just a little bit how you feel called. Like this is where God wants you right now uh, to be the director of our JAR Kids. So I've been working upstairs in JAR Kids um, teaching uh, since last May. And I just have always felt this call and prompting in my life uh, from God to be working with kids. And I had a lot of positive influences in my life as a kid, and I just wanted to find a way to give back to the next generation. And um, this is the perfect way to do that. Yeah. And I know that you have an event that's uh, taking place in your life, just a small little thing, uh, this fall. Uh, Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I am engaged to Shannon McCormick, and we are getting married in September. And we actually... (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we actually just purchased our first house, and we will be moving in together in September and getting married. And we're just really excited to see uh, the ways God is going to use us for the future. Okay. Now, I know how you church people are sometimes. Uh, They're not living together right now, okay? So some of you are going to start something on Facebook. You should hear what's going on at the jar. Their little jar kids girl got up there and said, I'm living with my my boyfriend. So they're not moving in until September, okay? So all of you should know that. Um, All right. Uh, Last thing. This is probably the most theologically important decision that you can make. And this is really based upon whether or not you're going to get the job or not. Um, Patriots or Colts fan? Colts all the way. All right. There we go. All right. Well, uh, Ellie's looking forward to working with all of your kids and uh, grandkids. And uh, she loves kids. And we know that God's going to do a great thing uh, in our kids over this next season. And uh, I'm just going to pray with Ellie right now. And... um, If you would, if you feel comfortable, if you don't, it's fine. But uh, in the New Testament, when someone was called into leadership, um, the leaders would actually place their hand on her shoulder. Now, if all of you came up there and did that to her, she would be way down, you know, below the the stage. So we're not going to do that. But if you would just put your hand out like this toward her, um, we're going to go ahead and uh, we'll just pray for Ellie. So let's pray. God, we uh, thank you so much for Ellie's life. And God, I uh, know you're going to do a great work in this new calling that you have as uh, our JAR Kids uh, director. And I know many kids are going to be touched. And there will be kids and grandkids who accept Christ and whose eternity is changed because of uh, 
what you're going to do through Ellie and the ministry that she has. And uh, God, I pray that you would give her a heart, not just for the kids in our church, but the kids outside these walls, um, kids in Muncie and Delaware County, all of East Central Indiana, that kids who are far from you, um, that they would come close to you. And I pray, God, for a spirit of creativity upon her, that uh, you would just continue to allow her to create and uh, to do amazing things uh, so that your name would be made great. I pray a blessing upon she and Shannon and their marriage, God. I know you're going to use this couple in mighty ways, and I pray, God, that as they prepare uh, for their wedding day, God, that you would give them your peace uh, and your focus and your strength. Uh, Thank you for Ellie and her life, and uh, we're so grateful that she'll be the director of our kids. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, let's give Ellie another hand. We had to get better looking, too, as a staff, because, you know, Mikey and Derek are just kind of, ugh. Sometimes you walk in and you just wonder, like, you know, is this a funeral home or what is this that I work in? So just joking, just joking. Hey, you know what? Today I'm really excited because we're beginning a brand new series called uh, Getting Past Your Past. And there's nothing that can paralyze a person's life more than their past. And there's nothing that can make you feel more shame and make you feel more guilty than things that have happened in your past. And so I want to challenge you to make it a priority over these next four weeks to make Sunday uh, a priority in your week schedule. So don't put it in pencil because you'll erase it for something else. But put it in ink because I think what will happen is if you'll do that, you'll find by the end of this time that there will be such a relief and a transformation that your past no longer affects where God's going to take you in your future. Now today, what I want to talk about are labels, because one of the things that keeps us in our past more than anything else is labels, and I want to talk about breaking the labels in your life, because for many of us, what happens is someone has talked to us and have, has put something in our head, and in the midst of that, we've created a label for ourselves. Maybe someone else has a label for us, or maybe we've created a label ourselves. but it keeps us in the past rather than looking towards the future. And I believe God wants to do a work today to help you overcome the labels from your past. Now, just to get into this, what I want to do is I'm going to give you the name of some famous people who have a label connected to their name. And all I want you to do is yell out the label, okay? So this is either going to be really fun or it's going to be a flop. And you know what? It depends upon you. It's all on you. So here we go. Here's the first one. Alexander the... Hey, look at that. You're smarter than the first group. Okay. Uh, Second one here. Conan the... Okay. Uh, Buffy the... Now, how can you know Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you can't know some scriptures in the Bible? Like, I don't know. Uh, Same thing. Okay, Billy the... Okay, uh, Winnie the... Oscar the... Boy, some of you said that real well. Like, uh, maybe you relate with Oscar. I don't know. Well, all of these different people had some kind of label connected to their name. And if I look back on my own life... There is one negative label that has been connected to my name as well. And it is Chris the Tightwad. Or Chris the Miser. My whole life growing up, uh, I was very much not a generous person. I wanted to hold on to every cent I had. And uh, some of my family will say, well, you hadn't really changed that much. Um, But just really, really tight. And what it did was, because I took on that label, I became less and less generous to a point where I was just not very generous at all. I always saved everything that I had. I never bought toys. I never bought uh, any kind of frills as a kid or as a teenager. All I did was save. And the good thing about this situation was because I was a tightwad, my uh, siblings who were older than me, they were spenders. They love to spend money. 
And they would spend all of their money on their allowance. I took it to the bank. And at the end of the week, before they got their new allowance, they would come to me and they'd be like, hey, uh, can we borrow some money? And I was like, oh, no problem. I'd love to borrow. But there is going to be an interest rate. And then they would say, well, well, what's the interest rate? Anyone want to take a guess what the interest rate was? Yeah, everybody says 50%. That's too low. Um, 100%. They were such suckers. I mean, just suckers. And I took all of the wealth that I could from them. And it was just the way I was. Now, if you're... Familiar with this concept, too, it didn't really change for me uh, when you're a tightwad. You keep being a tightwad. And then I got married to my wife. And on our wedding day, you know on your wedding day you'll get gifts that are like duplicate gifts? I took the duplicate gifts and I gave them away for the next three years to weddings. I just kept them off. That's called re-gifting. If you're not aware with that term, what that means is someone gives you a gift for you. But you take it and you give it to someone else. And I did the same thing when our kids got born. You know, you have these baby showers. And my wife would get all these toys. And I would take a few of them back and, like, put them in the closet. And then she'd be like, hey, where was that one little cute little thing? I'm like, oh, no, we're not going to. We're going to save that for the next baby shower that we have. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, I'm serious, you know. And so I did that as well. Now, maybe the worst part of being a tightwad actually did come with my wife. Uh, when we got married, she had to go to, uh, she was in medical school, and she had to travel an hour and a half each way. And in traveling, uh, I gave her a gas allowance per week of $20. Now, gas was cheaper back in 1994, 95, 96, but nonetheless, uh, she... She was not happy with this, and she'd, say, she'd come to me sometimes at the end of the week. She'd say, uh, hey, I need a few extra dollars, you know, to, for gas. I'm like, you been speeding, you know? <laughs> and, I mean, I was just so tight. And this was the worst thing. She ran out of gas uh, seven different times. Uh, <laughs> I know, aren't I messed up? I mean, like, that was horrible. And... Um, you know, she'd call, you know, and she'd be like, hey, it's in the middle of the winter. I ran out of gas. I'm like, you're speeding, aren't you? Like, you're speeding. I know that's what it is. But what happened was I just was not a very generous person whatsoever. And I became Chris the tightwad, Chris the miser. Now, this is what I'd like you to think about this morning, is that in your program there is a fill-in-the-blank that has your name and then a label. And I just want you to think about what is one of the negative labels that you have about yourself. I don't care what it could be, but don't just look at your own uh, program, or you can do it on your lap. Don't look at somebody else, or don't tell somebody, this is your issue. Um, but what is a negative label that's connected to your name? And maybe later on you'll do it as well. But I'd like you to go ahead and fill that. Maybe for some of you, you would put your name, and then you would put uh, doormat. I'm a doormat. People just are always walking over me. They are, I'm just nicey-nice. They take advantage of me. That's what I am. Maybe for others of you, the title that someone gave to you was lazy one. You're just always lazy, no matter what, and you've taken that in. Maybe you're the irresponsible one, or maybe you're the one who's the hothead. Uh, you're always a hothead. You're always getting angry about stuff. Or maybe you're the one who's not good with money, or you know, you're the party girl, or you're the wild man. You know, you're never going to settle down. You're always going to be wild. Or maybe you're just the average one. I mean, you're not really great at anything. You're not horrible at anything. And people throughout your life, they just said, you're average. You know what you are? You're average. And that label has kind of stuck. So I want you to think about that and to think about what is that label and to write it in at some point uh, through the teaching. What is the thing that maybe is a negative thing that's connected to your name that has been given to you as a label. Now, this is what I want you to hear as we go through this teaching. So if you have put in, if you put your putting, that sounds like real educated. Hey, I'm putting, you know. Um, I'm messed up. And uh, so anyway, 
So here's what I want you to do. Put your negative label, but this is the truth that I've been praying about and that I want you to know, and it's this. It'll come up on the side screens. God's power is always bigger than your past. No matter what the label is, no matter what's in your past, God's power is always bigger than your past. Now, the reality is is that some of our labels, they're truthful. Whatever it is that you've been defined as, that is true. It's a true statement of who you are. But this is what I want you to understand. That whatever your label is today, it doesn't have to be your label tomorrow. It's very, very important for you to get that. Whatever it is that you feel like you've been labeled as today, it does not have to be what is true about you tomorrow. I believe with all of my heart that what God wants to do, he wants to speak into some of your lives who are here today and to let you know that whatever that negative label has been from your past, that it doesn't have to be carried into your future. And here's how we're going to do it. I want you to begin to start seeing yourself through a God-filled lens, a God-viewed perspective, a God-centered view of who you are. And it's all based on this passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and this is what it says. Anyone who belongs to Christ, and what's the first word again? Anyone. So anyone. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or what your past looks like. Anyone, no matter what the label you've had from your past, it doesn't matter. Anyone who belongs to Christ, that if you've turned to him and you said, hey, I want to choose you to be the guide of my life rather than me trying to be the guide, that anyone who's made a commitment or recommitment, maybe you did from last week, anyone who belongs to Christ has become, what's the next two words? Has become a? You become a new person. The old life has what? What's it say? It's gone. The old life has gone, and the new life has what? Begun. Folks, if you're in Christ, if you're saying, hey, I want you to be the leader of my life. I don't know everything. I don't have it all together. But as much as I know, I want you to lead my life. He says the old life is gone. Quit trying to drudge it back up again. Let it go. It would be like uh, trash. You take the trash out to the edge of the street. You got all this nasty trash. And this would, this is what it would be like if you believed in the labels. You'd go out into the trash, you'd get the trash, and you'd bring it back into your house. And you'd say, no, 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 no. That's what I am. No, 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 no. The trash gets in the trash truck, and it goes away. And in the same way with Christ, when you come to Christ, whatever has been in your past is gone. You don't have to carry it anymore. All of the past has been washed away. Now, for the rest of our time, what I want us to do is to talk about three truths that give us an ability to be set free from the labels that have held us down. Three truths that help us to be set free from the labels that have held us down. The first one is this. God wants to give you a new name. Someone has given you a label. Maybe you believed in that label that this is who I am. But God wants to give you a new name. Isaiah 62.2, God says this. You will be called by a new name, and I love this, which the mouth of the Lord will name. In other words, God says, hey, out of everyone on planet Earth, I have a name for you that I want to give to you, and it's not whatever the label has been from your past. Folks, for many of you, this is what the problem is. You have bought into the lie that whatever has been in your past defines you today. And God says, no, 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 no. When you come to Christ, all of that is pushed away, and there is a new name that I give to you. You see with this with uh, high school girls all the time. High school girls, if they like a guy really, really well, what they'll do is they'll start playing little games. Um, This was one that my wife did. They take their first name, and then they put your name to it, and then they put like XOXO, you know, Jennifer, and then she's like, I'm going to be a bunch, you know, and she's like getting real excited about that. So then she puts that in an XOXOXO. Now, uh, there weren't emojis, you know, back in my uh, day, back in 1993, where you could put a heart 
or you could put, you know, like fire, like, you know, we got this flaming passion. So like this week I went ahead and I said, honey, I was like, you know, if you just text me a few XOs, XOs, you know, a little fire on each side, it'd make my day. I'm still waiting for the text. folks. So, so if you want to encourage our marriage, you know what I mean? Say, hey, why don't you just send him a text with a couple of XOs, XOs, you know, a couple emoji things there. Okay. Now, here's what I seriously, though. God wants to replace your old name. Whatever your old name has been, God wants to replace it with a new name. And he did this throughout Scripture multiple times, way too many for me to share all of them. But I just want to share a couple. The first one is a couple by the name of Abram and Sarah. This couple uh, is kind of the foundation of uh, all religions. And this couple, Abram and Sarai, uh, wanted to have children. And some of you know what that's like. Maybe you've gone through some of the struggles of infertility, and, and they wanted to have kids, and they just weren't able to. But God came to them one day and said, you're going to have as many ancestors as the stars in the heavens. And they're like, no, 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 no way that could happen. And he said, I'm going to prove it. And he said, the way I'm going to prove it, before this even begins, I'm going to give you a new name. And he changed their names from Abram to Abraham and from Sarai to Sarah. And you know what their names mean? Father and mother of many nations. And out of this couple, the nations of the world were formed. And God gave them a new name. There's another guy by the name of Jacob. Jacob means a trickster, a swindler, a huckster. That's what his name means. But God came to him and he gave him a new name and he called him Israel, which means to wrestle with God, to prevail with God, that God will prevail. And he got a new name. Folks, God will give each of you a new name that is not the label that so often you look in the mirror and think of yourself as. What you're labeled as, that's in the past, it's no longer. But it's very hard for us to always see that. In fact, in my own life and in my marriage, I've seen that. My wife Jennifer and I, when we first got married, one of the things I noticed was uh, she would look in the mirror in the morning and for three or four months uh, during our honeymoon stage, she would look in the mirror and after she looked in the mirror, she would kind of put her head down. And I would notice this all the time. And so finally I said, well, why do you do that? What, what are you thinking? You look in the mirror and then you look down. And she goes, well, I just think that I'm average looking. I'm like, average looking? You're not average looking. You're beautiful. I wouldn't marry ugly. You know what I mean? And she's like, you're not helping. You're not helping. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're beautiful, Jennifer. And she goes, no, no, no. I'm just average looking. And I said, well, why do you think that? And she said, well, all my life I just kind of felt this sense from friends, family, other people around me, that I was just average looking. That was it. Now, I can't explain this, but all I can know is to say that I got a burden one day from God, that I was like, I want to help her to know that she's not just average looking, that she's beautiful. And so I'd go up to her and I'd go, Jen, Jen, you're beautiful. You know, you're beautiful. You're not average looking. And she would have this nervous laugh that women often do when you try to tell them that they're beautiful. They're like, huh. And that means basically, no, I'm not. I look like a dog. And uh, you're like, no, 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 you're beautiful. And they have this nervous laugh. And you're like, no, 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 you're beautiful. And I just keep saying it and saying it. And she just wouldn't believe it. And one day I saw her looking in the mirror. And I just went up and I grabbed her by the shoulders. And I go, Jen, you don't have to believe me. But I've been praying about this. And God wants me to tell you that you are beautiful. You are not average looking. And I'll never forget the face, uh, the look on her face when she was like, really? Like, really? Like, it's true. You're not average looking. You're beautiful. And you know what's been interesting? We've been married 22 years. It's that from that day until today, she has done a 180, 100% better when it comes to her body image. And she's totally different the way that she looks at herself in the mirror because growing up she finally realized that that average looking thing was not true it was not true 
But what was true, that she's beautiful. What's so cool now is I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old girl. Now, one day, they're going to become teenagers. They're going to look in the same mirror, and I'm going to be saying, you're beautiful, and they're going to be like, get out of the bathroom, you weirdo. (laughs) Right? True? Those of you with teenagers? But what's so cool is to watch my wife constantly build them up about that they are beautiful, beautiful women. Same thing happened to me. During college, I've shared with you before, I was a party child. I was raised in a preacher's kid family, but when I got to college, it was a very liberal school, and I just went off the deep end, partying, sleeping around, doing anything and everything I could to kind of get away from what I'd been raised in. And it got so bad that at the end, I I was just totally like, maybe some of you have, have experienced this, my life was just chaotic. It was just chaos. And some different things happened to where I got connected with my wife, Jennifer, and she helped me to start seeing that, that God would love me regardless. And all of a sudden, I kind of did a 180 within about a year period of time. And within a couple of years, that 180 turned in me becoming a pastor at two small little country churches uh, in western Indiana. Now, I felt totally unworthy to be a pastor. I was the wild party Chris. That's what my title was. But Pastor Chris, it just didn't seem like it would ever work. I never felt worthy. I always felt inadequate. I had never gone to seminary before. I had only had one New Testament class in my entire life, and now I was going to be the pastor of this church. And I'll never forget, 1993, On November 1st, I was sitting at the desk that they had at the church office, and I closed the door because I was so paranoid that people were going to walk in and go, he's not enough. And they would have been right, because I wasn't. I was so ill-qualified, and I started thinking, what in the world have I gotten myself into? And I knew enough being a PK, a preacher's kid, that if you have a lot of songs, like in church, then the preacher doesn't have to talk as much, you know? So I selected like six hymns that first Sunday, as many ones as I could get. Hymns, just songs that we would sing. And I'll never forget the organist, Lester Popejoy. She walked into my office and she said, Pastor Chris, I saw the hymns, they look great. And just as she said, Pastor Chris, I was like, oh, 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 oh. I was like, don't call me pastor, just call me Chris. That's good enough. She's like, but you're my pastor. I was like, yeah, 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 but I'm not really a pastor. I mean, I felt so much more comfortable with wild boy Chris, you know, than, than, than pastor Chris, party Chris, not, not pastor Chris. She's like, well, I give money to this church. That church money go to you? I was like, yeah. She's a spitfire. And I go, yeah, and she's like, well, if I'm giving money to this church, I'm going to call you pastor. I said, but I, you just don't understand. I'm just not adequate. And, and then I'll never forget her saying this. She goes, you're going to grow into your name. You're going to grow into your name. And I was so moved by that. Because I thought I was so inadequate and it took time, but... Lesta and some other people, some saints of the faith, just built into me, and they encouraged me, and they built me up. And eventually, I was able to kind of understand that role a little bit more and to get into that name. Folks, God wants to give you a new name. You may feel unworthy right now. You may feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not there yet. I'm just here for the second time. I did the Easter thing and I came back, but, you know, that's it. And here's what I want to tell you, that God will help you to grow into your name. Whatever it is that he has for your name, he will help you to grow into it. Now, for some of you, the name is forgiven. The reality is when you look in the mirror, you never think, You're forgiven. There are things, skeletons in your closet, some sin from your past, things that you've done. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to give you a new name. It's called forgiven, and everything's wiped away. For others of you, the name is overcomer. Maybe you've been going through something in your life, and you're like, I'm never going to overcome this. I'm never going to overcome this. And God's like, no, 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 i got a new name for you, 
overcomer. For some of you who are moms, you may feel really inadequate right now. You're sitting there, you feel totally inadequate. And God's like, no, 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 I got a new name for you. And the new name is that you're going to be a spiritual mom. You're going to help your kids to grow closer and closer to God. You're going to be the person who helps them understand of God's love and they make right choices through their life. For some of you dads who are married, God's calling you to a new name and it's called spiritual leader. That you wouldn't just lead, you know, by bringing in the paycheck, but you'll lead with prayer and and reading of scripture and bringing your family to church on Sundays. Some of you, maybe it's going to be reaching out to teenagers through impact. Or maybe it's going to be reaching some of our kids and jar kids. Or maybe it's a small group leader. But God has a new name. And some of you, as I'm saying this, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not holy enough. I don't have it together enough. You don't know what I was doing last night or the night before or the week before or whatever. Folks, that's in the past. Today is a new day. God wants to give you a new name. God is going to give that to you. And his power will help you to grow into that new name. Folks, many of you have been labeled things in your past. Do not believe what other people call you. Because it is not what your name is. And when Satan, the evil one, wants to come, he longs to still kill and destroy. He, he wants you to believe whatever the label is from your past. And Christ says, no, if you come to me, you have a new name. So not only does God give you a new name, the second thing that he does is he also gives you a new purpose. God gives you a new purpose. With your new name comes a new purpose. Now, one of my favorite stories in the Bible of seeing a person transformed this way is a guy by the name of Simon. Simon could have been labeled unpredictable, undependable, wishy-washy. But Jesus meets him, and when he meets him, Jesus goes, Hey, you're a fisherman. You fish for fish, but I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. i got a new purpose for you. You're no longer fishing for just fish. You're going to fish for people. You're going to be a world changer. I'm going to do a new purpose in your life. Now, along with this purpose, he says, but I'm going to give you a new name. One day, Jesus came to Peter and he said, who do they say that I am? What are people saying that I am? And Peter's like, well, some people say you're this. Some people say you're that. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're John the Baptist. He's like, no, 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 no. But who do you, Simon, who do you say that I am? He says, well, I say that you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And then look at how Jesus replied in Matthew 16, verse 17. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, Simon, I'm giving you a new name, that you are Peter. Now, the word Peter means rock. Simon was undependable, unpredictable, wishy-washy. But when Christ came into his life, he said, no, 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 that's not your new name. That's your old label. Your new name is Peter the Rock. Simon, I'm giving you a new name. You're going to be a rock. You're going to help build my church. You're going to go into the midst of some of the messiest people to build my church. Now, some of you, as you're sitting there, you're like, okay, Peter, okay, that's all the part of the story I know. He was a fisherman. Jesus came into his life. He became a leader and a rock. But... For those of you who knows Peter's story, I've got to ask you, has he always been a rock after Jesus gave him the name Peter? No. He gets the name Peter, and within just a few short months, you know what he does? Jesus is on trial, on a death penalty sentence, He's longing for someone to jump in and say, I'll I'll do whatever I can, Jesus. And three times, not one time, but three times, he goes, I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. But after the resurrection, Jesus comes back and he forgives him. And he's like, hey, Peter, you're still a rock. You're still a rock. I just want you to let the past go and to start going toward your future. That is good preaching, I will say. (laughs) 
<laughs> just joking. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, then, this is what happens. Pentecost is when the church is founded. So Jesus has died. He's risen again. He was there for a period of time, but now he's ascended back to heaven. They're going to start the church, and they need a guest speaker. Jesus isn't here. Who's going to speak? Do you remember who they chose? The rock. Because they realized that if Peter had failed so much but had been forgiven, he would be the best person to speak. And Peter comes up and he just says a kind of a three-point sermon. First of all, he says repent. Now, what does that mean? Re means the lower things. I let go of the lower things. Pent is like the penthouse. What is the higher ways of thinking? So I let go of the lower ways, my thinking, and I turn to God's ways, the highest ways of thinking. He says, repent and believe. Many people last week, we had about 100 people that came forward to get an anchor. And when they got that anchor, they're like, you know what? I'm turning away from my sin. I'm turning toward God. I want to believe in him. So repent and believe. But the last part of his message was be baptized. And my question for you this morning is, are you baptized? Have you been baptized? And you know what holds a lot of people back from ever getting baptized? Labels. I'm not good enough. I'm not perfect. I've got so much stuff. What if I mess up? What if, what if, what if? So this is my challenge to you. If you've not been baptized, what are you waiting for? Like, what are you waiting for? And God wants to help people take a next step closer to him. And for some of you, next week, it might be it. The baptism class, I'll be teaching it. Lunch is provided. Child care is provided. The final four winner will be determined, so you can't use that excuse. I mean, there is no reason for you not to say, I'll give 45 minutes because I want to grow closer to God. I want to give my one and only life to Him. And you can be baptized, and we'll celebrate that on the 24th. Now, interesting thing about Peter. At the end of his life, they were going to crucify him just like Jesus as a martyr for the Christian faith. And as they're getting ready to do that, Peter says this. He goes, I am not worthy to be crucified like my Lord, tradition says. I want you to turn me upside down. And so he was turned upside down and crucified to a cross. Now this is the thing, folks. Peter was not born a rock, but he died a rock. Peter was not born a rock, but he died a rock. And God wants to do a new thing in your life with a new purpose. He wants to give you a new name, a new purpose, and finally, He wants to give you a new future. A new future. A future that is bright and full. The problem with the future is so many people are pessimistic about the future. Yesterday, we had this like messed up, like, you know, wind, and I don't know what all it was. It was like, Felt like apocalypse coming. People are just like, ah, yeah, it is so horrible, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, dude, it was one day. Like, you know, spring's coming. It's going to be, nah, it's horrible. Yeah. And people start thinking about the future, and that's what they do. It's just like, yeah. my life is never going anywhere. It's never going to be this. It's never going to be that. I'm never going to be happy. I'm always going to be alone. I'm always going to be miserable. I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm always going to have these headaches and on and on and on and on and on. Listen, don't insult God with your faithlessness for your future. Because God has some great things in store for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this. This is what God says. I'm not saying it. This isn't preacher, boy. This is God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a, what's it say? A future. God plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, some of you, though, this is what you've always heard your whole life. You're always the bridesmaid, never the... Oh, you're 28 and 33 and you're not married yet? Yeah, I know, I'm not. And you know why it is? Because there's no good guys out there anymore. Just a bunch of jerks. That's all they are. 
That's all they are. Or I'm never going to get married. I mean, I'm just going to stay single my whole life and that's it and that's the way it is. Or I am married. I'm married to the biggest jerk you've ever seen. He is a bump on the log. He never comes to church. He never does anything. And that's what a lot of people think about the future. My kids are never going to be anything. I'm always going to be stuck in this addiction. I'm always going to be overweight. I just know I'm going to be this or that or the other thing, whatever it is. Folks, often this is what God does. He takes whatever the thing you're most negative about, the weakest area, and if you give it to him, he does like this turnaround. He does a turnaround. And he makes it to be a great strength. For years, some of you right now, you've been labeled an addict. I'm telling you what. God has the power to overcome your addiction. That's why we have Celebrate Recovery. It's the whole reason that we have it. When people are going through hurts, habits, or hang-ups, that you don't go through it alone, that you go with it with someone else. And you know what's so cool? I've got so many of my friends who are in Celebrate Recovery, and what has happened is they went in as an addict, and you know what they're doing now? They're helping other addicts find the way of freedom. And it's a beautiful thing that God can do to be able to help you to do that. Others of you, you might be like, well, I'm fat. I'm chunky. I'm full-figured. I'm just always going to look this way. No, you're not. God might, if you give your life to God and you say, God, I really want to change this area of my life, he may help you with a diet. He may give you Shanti, insanity, hip-hop, hubs, uh, what is that, hip-hop, abs, I can't even read it, <laughs> rock and beach body, Holy Spirit workout, and you're going to get in shape. And I've seen this before. I watched Shanti the other day. I was like, man, there's only one difference between Shanti and I. He's black and I'm white. If I pulled this up right now, you would see. <laughs> I know I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Hey, others of you, I'm always going to be in debt. I'm just always going to be in debt. Uh, Shane Brooks, who runs our uh, uh, financial peace class. When Shane first started coming to church, man, he was, dude was negative. He's like, man, we're always going to be broke. This is always going to be broke. I'm just going to be broke. My wife spent all our money. We're going to be broke. <laughs> and you know what happened to him? One day he got so fanatical that he wasn't going to be in debt anymore. He put a tattoo of Dave Ramsey's face on his arm. <laughs> No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But, folks, you don't have to always stay in debt. You don't. God can do a brand new thing in your life. And you don't have to be in debt. Why? Because God takes our greatest weakness sometimes, and he turns it into our greatest strength. Last thing. You know, all this, I think, kind of encapsulates a, a story in the Bible about a woman who's only mentioned eight times in the Bible, but eight times that she's mentioned, six times she's given the most negative term maybe that any woman can have in life. Uh, The lady's name was Rahab. And throughout Scripture, she was called Rahab the prostitute or Rahab the harlot. Now, there were two types of prostitutes back in those days. There was the temple prostitute, which was kind of like call girls today, kind of higher end. Then there were prostitutes that are the ones that get arrested on cops. You know what I mean? Like, I mean the lowest of the low, the lowest rung. And she goes through her whole life thinking, I'm at the lowest rung in society. And can you imagine emotionally what you'd feel like if everyone knew what you did and they knew you were at that low? I'm used goods. I'm only good for one thing. I'll never find true love. I'll never find a good and godly marriage. I'll never have a relationship with God because he would never want to have anything to do with me. But over time, she started to hear about this God of Israel, a different God than she knew. And Scripture says in Joshua 2.11 this, when she heard it, when we heard it, our hearts were melted. 
When they started hearing the good news of the God of Israel, her heart was melted. And Rahab heard these stories. And today, maybe for some of you, last week was your moment where you heard for the first time that God could be my anchor. He would love me. He would be present with me no matter what. And his goodness and his grace you understood. In Rahab's story, what she understood was once she understood the God story, the day came in which there were two Israelite spies who came and she wasn't from Israel and she could have called on them and they would have been killed immediately. But they started talking about their God and she was so intrigued by it and so she hides these two spies. Now, you might say, well, she noble act, but she just helped with these two spies. No, no, no. She created a future that was so much bigger than that. Because it wasn't just that she helped save these two spies, but she helped save this entire nation of Israel. And eventually, as she grew closer to God, God placed in her life a God-fearing man, a person by the name of Salmon. And they had a great marriage. And what everybody was said, said was impossible. That prostitute, that hooker, will never, ever have a God-fearing marriage. She'll always be on the lowest rung. Just like some of you today. Whatever your burden is, whatever you think your label is, whatever you think, there's no way that God could do anything about this. But here's what they did with Rahab. She was a prostitute. She finds this God-fearing man. And then the two of them have a son. Then they have a grandson. Then they have a great-grandson. And finally it gets five times. Great, 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 great grandson. And check this out. You know who Rahab's great, 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 great grandson was? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, his great, 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 great grandma was a prostitute, but she didn't stay there. She got a new name, a new purpose, and she got a new future. And that's what God wants to give to you today. A new name, a new purpose, and a new future. You are not what anyone says you are. You are not the lies that you believed about yourself. You are not what others have called you. God, today, He wants to. I just, I don't know how better to say it. He wants to give you a new name. He wants to give you a new purpose and a new future as you go forward. And so this is what I want to do. I want to declare today, like I make a declaration over everyone in this gym, that all of your labels are broken in Jesus' name. That they no longer follow you. Today, you're a new person with a new purpose and a new name. If anyone is in Christ, you are a new person. The old is gone and the new has begun. The way we're going to close today, I'd like you to stand. And Derek's going to lead us in a song about the fact that God knows your name. And so um, we'll sing this through a couple different verses. And I want you to allow that to fill your mind, that God has a new name for you.
I'm going to invite the uh, prayer team to come up. If you'd like prayer for anything, uh, they would love uh, to pray with you. And I was thinking that maybe there are some people here today that they've never really settled that whole thing of saying, I want your, you to name me God. Maybe you've been going through your whole life and you've just been like allowing all of the labels to define who you are. But today, you really do want to say, Jesus, I want a new name. I want a new purpose. I want a new future, not just here, but in heaven as well. And so I'm going to lead us through a prayer, and you can just repeat it after me. I'd like all of us to pray it out loud. And if you pray this prayer for the very first time, uh, at the end there's a Bible up here. No one's going to say anything to you. But if you accept Christ and you say, hey, I want to do that, we want to give you a Bible so that you have a, a next step. And Derek will be up here to uh, connect with any of you. But uh, we want this to be a prayer for all of us because God does want to give us a new name. So if you would, just uh, repeat after me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, take all of my life. Make me new. Jesus, save me from my sins. I believe you died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a new name. Give me a new purpose. Give me a new future that I could be used for you. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Jarheads, let's give a hand to those that did this for the first time. And if you come up and get one of those, that'd be great. Uh, first Steps with Chris. Uh, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, would love to meet you next week. And uh, have a great week. Know you're loved in this place. Thanks.